Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's Saturday, which means it's time for the Front 3 Bonus Podcast. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are bringing the bonus podcasts back. Uh, Well, we're going to try to. We're going to try to, at least. Um, Hopefully, this is a nice little surprise for you in your podcast feeds. We had so much great feedback when we introduced these bonus podcasts last season. Unfortunately, we didn't get to produce as many of them as we'd have liked. They can be quite time-consuming to make and therefore difficult to do regularly but we're looking to bring you loads more bonus podcasts this season on different topics from around the world of football and with loads of great guests as well so we hope you're looking forward to that you know we love making them so we hope that you enjoy listening to them as well so for the first bonus podcast of the season then there's only one thing we can really talk about and that is of course Neymar's world record transfer to Paris Saint-Germain unless you've been living under a rock a very very large rock you'll know the Brazilians transfer to the French club was finally confirmed on Thursday night for a staggering 195 million pounds in a deal that could eventually be worth as much as 450 million in total So in part one, we'll be joined by Spanish football journalist for Beat in Sports and 442 David Cartledge to discuss the implications for Neymar, for Barcelona and European football as a whole. While in part two, I'm delighted to say we'll be joined by Professor Simon Chadwick from the University of Salford to explain the broader context of the transfer and Qatar's political motives behind this historic deal. So, part one then, we're now joined by Spanish football journalist David Cartledge. David, welcome to the front three. Hey, really nice to join you. So, David, obviously a lot has been said, a lot has been written about this deal, about the reasons behind it. The player himself, Neymar, said at his unveiling on Friday that he'd won everything that he could at Barcelona and it was time for a new challenge. What do you make of that? Are you buying that? I think it's being sold by Neymar has been the the entire reason. Um, but I don't think there is. I don't think in a situation like this, there's never just one thing that comes into play. Um, so I think there's a there's a few things you know swirling around in his head that have probably made him him move. And uh, I think that is one of them. I think it's partly true, but then I think there are other factors at play as well. 
one of those factors may well be the wages themselves. Uh, is it half a million pounds he's going to be Yeah, earning? pretty much. <laughs> um, every week, I believe, after tax, which is pretty uh, staggering. Uh, what do you make of those who are saying that, that is the sole reason for why he's moving, or at least the main factor that he's driven by money, essentially? Yeah, I mean, you know, like, I don't think, again, it's like I say, I think there's a few factors at play. This is one of them, you know, money is one of them. Ambition in terms of he wants to be seen as potentially the guy who resurrected PSG and took them to the top. Um, he wants to strike out on his own and get out of Messi's shadow. So all these things come into it. Um, but money is a big factor. Of course it is. You know, he, he was earning a lot of money at Barcelona. He earns a lot of money through commercial activities. He's an extremely marketable, marketable character. I don't think there's any other footballer in the world right now who is a better player to market than Neymar. Um, so, so all these things have come into it. What do you make of the influence of Neymar's father? Because, I mean, a lot has been made of how Neymar Senior has a pretty remarkable ability to make a lot of money out of his son's career. Yet, Neymar said in his farewell video to Barcelona on Thursday that he was actually contradicting his father in leaving the Catalan club to move to Paris. I mean, to me, this just seems like Neymar trying to almost protect his father who has earned a certain reputation for the money he's earned from his son's transfer dealings and stands to earn from this deal as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, a hell of a lot of money. Um, and we know going from past experience, you know, how this transfer to Barcelona, you know, from Santos back in the day, you know, how that was negotiated. Neymar's father was a big presence in that. And, and when I'm talking about a big presence, I'm on, in terms of getting a lot of money out of the deal. And so it's no surprise that he's potentially done the same again. And, and yeah, I agree with you completely. I think he's just out there to protect his father. His, his father is the biggest person in his life. Um, Neymar does not want to see him getting abuse or for whatever reason. Um, so I think that's why he's done that. But um, I do think his father and his entourage, the people who surround Neymar, have had a big say in this career move. I mean, of the factors you're talking about there, uh, potentially Neymar is moving to PSG to help the club win the Champions League. It's something that ultimately the club and the club's owners are desperate to achieve. Do you think he's more likely to win the Champions League at PSG than he would be at Barcelona? Uh, certainly not. No, I think as long as Lionel Messi is around, then if he's on your team, then that team is the favourite for the Champions League. Then that's just how it goes. Um, so, you know, in, in that sense, I, I, always, I, I made the argument, I thought, you know, I think part of Neymar does want to strike out on his own and, and do things his own way. But at the same time, you know, I don't think he's in any particular shadow or a, a backup act to Lionel Messi in Barcelona. You know, I think last season Neymar grew a lot and he came into his own magnificently. And Lionel Messi isn't going to be around forever either. So I think, you know, like to ask you a question, no, I think he's definitely got the best chance of winning the Champions League when he was at Barcelona. What do you make of this idea of Neymar needing to step out of Messi's shadow then? Because a lot has been made of that moment in the Champions League last season when Neymar almost single-handedly pulled his team to that historic comeback against PSG. He scored that incredible free kick, dragged his team over the line, and yet it was Messi who stole the headlines almost with that iconic photo of him among the Barca fans celebrating do you think not only was that the moment that PSG decided that Neymar was their man, but also that the Brazilian himself realised 
he'll never be the main man at Barcelona, not while Lionel Messi is around. Yeah, there's potential of it. I think people will put things in his head. Like I say, I think he's entourage and his father have had a lot of influence on him. And if you look back at the timeline of when Neymar maybe decided to think about things, it's, it's clearly because the people around him have said, maybe you do need to move away. Maybe this is the type of move that you need. Barcelona will never be your club, Neymar. It will always be Lionel Messi's club. Um, but PSG can be your club. You can be the, the icon of PSG and kind of take over from what's lat and left and what they didn't really replace, I think, in Paris. Um, so that, that, that factor is there. And, and of course, you know, there were several performances from Neymar last season. Like I said, I think it was his best season in a Barcelona shirt. I think he matured in a, in a huge, huge manner on the, on the field. He, he learned more balanced as a player. Um, and you could see him grow magnificently. And there were several performances, even when Barcelona playing poorly, that, that Neymar really, really stepped up and, and, and Messi did not. It was Neymar who did. And, and it seems like that's kind of been swept under the carpet, which is a shame, really. But at PSG, he's going to be the focal point. So every move that he makes, be it good or bad, is going to be in the spotlight. We'll come on to what this means for Barcelona potentially in a moment. But as well as the Champions League, uh, winning that of PSG, obviously being a big uh, motivation potentially behind this move. As you're saying there, Neymar's going to be the focal point of this team, almost uh, what Maradona was to Napoli in some ways, a sort of the talisman potentially of PSG. Do you think that potentially makes him more likely to win the Ballon d'Or, which I'm sure is a factor in his decision. It's something that's become uh, more of a factor in, in many players' careers, this sort of desire to win this individual trophy, as it were. Do you think he stands more chance of winning that accolade at PSG than, than Barcelona? Yeah, definitely, because he's he's not going to be at, at Lionel Messi's side. You know, He does cast a big shadow on Messi, but like I say, I don't think Neymar was particularly completely covered by it. And I do think he could have won the Ballon d'Or at Barcelona, but that's just my personal opinion. Other people will disagree with that. But at PSG, you know, he he can he has that opportunity to, to lift that team. You know, League One. You know, they've got an incredible chance of winning League One. Monaco are losing players on basically a daily basis, so you can see you know that PSG can win that league pretty confidently. And then the Champions League, obviously, is it's it's the, it's the pinnacle for the project that PSG have and Al Khalafi have. You know, they are desperate to be taken seriously. They desperately you know, to not be seen as just this money-driven project. They want to be seen as a, a football and, you know, like a true football club. And, and Paris is a football city and it's very been very, very difficult for them. Um, and Neymar will push them towards that. And in turn, if he can do that, then he will be seen as, like you say, the Maradona man, the man who carried a team, you know, the talisman. And uh, that's, that's a big um, temptation, I think, for Neymar. It's an interesting one. I think he was in the prime position to win the Ballon d'Or in the coming years. He was seen as the heir apparent at Barcelona. That's clear what the, the club was sort of grooming him for. Messi's 30, Neymar's only 25. It seems Neymar was in more of a hurry to be that main man than Barcelona thought he was. And I'd argue that, you know, playing in Liga, which is undoubtedly a weaker league than the Liga, means there might be less chance of him actually winning the Ballon d'Or. Although, if he does manage to lead PSG finally to the Champions League, I'm sure that will put him in the conversation for the Ballon d'Or. Um, do you think this move, on a broader note, signals any sort of power shift in Europe? You know, obviously the Spanish league has dominated European football in recent seasons with Barcelona and Real Madrid uh, winning the Champions League so many times. But, of course, it remains to be seen if Kylian Mbappe 
joins Real Madrid this summer, or even Barcelona now, who of course have got a little bit of money to spend themselves. But right now, all the sort of apparent heirs to the crowns of Messi and Barcelona, to that Ballon d'Or we were just speaking about, the Neymars, the Dybalas, the Pogbas, they're all playing elsewhere other than Spain. So has there been a power shift, do you think, where the best players in the world are not playing in La Liga anymore? Um, I think there was a power shift in terms of the money. I think that that has been the big issue. More money. We look at the two big deals. You look at the two outside deals. So we've got the Neymar deal, PSG. You know they're swimming in money. We know their ownership situation, uh, and Manchester United as well needed to make a statement. I think to to try and put themselves back on a pedestal as a, as a, a, a an elite club, and they obviously have a lot of money as well, considering the revenue that they make. So those I think were unique deals. I think. The, the next line of talent, so when you're talking about people like Dybala, Mbappe, uh, Dembele at Borussia Dortmund, I think they will all end up in the Liga. I really do. I think I think the best, that the next, you know, tomorrow's stars, they will still come to the Liga. I just think there's been two particularly high-profile cases in Pogba and Neymar the last two summers. But I think other than that, I think everything will be the norm. I think players want, I think Real Madrid and Barcelona, I mean, I, maybe I'm biased because it is the league I cover, but I still think the Liga is the pinnacle. I think it's where people want to be seen and particularly at Real Madrid and Barcelona, obviously. You know, so I think those players who I've just mentioned, they, they will when they decide to leave their respective clubs, they will seek out moves to Barcelona or Real Madrid still. Well, it's interesting you say that. I mean, obviously, uh, the question now is where do Barcelona go from here? How do they replace Neymar? It's certainly a knock to their reputation, I think it's fair to say. You know, one of football's traditional superpowers, losing a player against its will to one of the game's emerging forces, as it were, Um where do you think they go from here in terms of trying to re-establish that reputation? Surely it's not as simple as splashing this cash to reassert themselves? Um, I think they're going to get a replacement, a direct replacement, but then also pad out what is seen as a very vulnerable squad. So it makes no surprise to me to see them linked with uh, Inigo Martinez from Real Sociedad the day, uh, to sign a centre-back. The first thing they will do with that money that they've got in is to sign a centre-back. I can understand that. They're trying to pad out the squad. They will potentially move for another centre midfielder, Felipe Coutinho. And then they'll go for somebody who could be seen as a direct replacement for Mbappe. So we're talking about Dembele from Borussia Dortmund. is the one that springs to mind. And I think the one player that Barcelona have tracked for a n- number of years now. So that makes that, that those three moves, I'd understand why they would do it. And then if they had a bit of spare cash, they might look to bolster another area of the squad. Is the problem for Barcelona going to be now that transfer fees for them are going to be inflated now even though they're coming with this 200 million or or how much people are going to whack on another 20 million to the transfer fees? I mean, is that something we can expect in general, do you think, in football now? That with this deal, this staggering deal going through, that we're going to see even more inflated fees and players going for 60, 70 million on the regular? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, even if you speak to anybody who, who has worked with Manchester United in terms of transfers over the last few years, they, you know, clubs have seen Manchester United coming and they've added a, a tax on, shall we say, you know, to, to, because it's Manchester United. A and, Woodward and, tax, yeah. Yeah, a Woodward tax, that's it, yeah. And, and Barcelona are going to see the same. They're going to see a Neymar tax now, you know. They've just taken in 200, over 200 million and also got all that money off the wage bill as well. So, so teams are going to see see Barcelona coming and they will try to breathe but Borussia Dortmund will try and stick an extra 15-20 million on Dembele you know things like this uh, Liverpool will try and suck every last euro out of them for, for Coutinho um, Martin, Inigo Martinez fortunately has a release clause so he, he will he will be a flat rate 
Um, but yeah, for, for the players they really want the top quality, then yeah, they're going to have to pay a little bit extra and they're, they're going to have to be prepared for that, quite frankly. Is the bigger problem for Barcelona, though, the damage to their reputation that I mentioned earlier and potentially uh, the knock to the reputation of the Spanish league as a whole? Does the league's attempts to almost block the move and sort of raise concerns over what they described as financial doping by state-backed clubs, do you think that highlights how unsettled potentially they are by this uh, this sort of move? Oh, they're terrified. Um, you know, Javier Tebas, the Liga chief, he's... He's been going on about for a number of years right now. Oh, the money coming into the Premier League of TV deals. Oh, the foreign ownership coming into places like PSG. And and he's been worried about this. And and one of his assets, shall we say, has been now prized away. You know, and it was he was worried as well when Cristiano was going to go earlier in the summer as well. And it, you know, and then Messi speculation is about there. And Tebas has always maintained the line that a strong Real Madrid and Barcelona benefits all of Spanish football. Because it keeps the Liga in the spotlight, it keeps them at the top, it keeps Real Madrid and Barcelona challenging in the semi-finals, the finals of the of the Champions League. Um, if if Atleti were there, then then great. But his main focus is keeping Real Madrid and Barcelona strong. Barcelona are now significantly weaker because they've just lost one of the best players in the world. So that is a massive problem for Tebas, uh, the La Liga chief. And, and yeah, it is. It's a, it's a big problem for La Liga and, and how now how they approach it, how Barcelona replace Neymar will be, will be of great interest, I think, to Tebas as well. Finally, do you think Neymar is worth it? That PSG are going to see some sort of return on this investment, if not off the pitch, then on the pitch. I mean, the club's president, Nasser Al-Khalifi, suggested at the players' unveiling on Friday that Neymar is going to be worth double the fee they paid for him in a few years. Uh, questionable prediction, I think it's fair to say. But ultimately, do you think Neymar is worth it, especially considering PSG could end up facing some sort of financial fair play uh, punishment if they are indeed found to be in breach of the rules with this very deal? Yeah, I don't, I don't think they should be uh, too worried because I think, I don't know, I think the whole thing's been made a mockery of, quite frankly, um, at this stage. You know, when you see Manning buying Pot Bring and Pot Bring when they were not in Europe and, you know, like at the top uh, level of Europe. And then obviously we've seen this with Neymar now. And I don't think there's anything to be worried about. I think there's always going to be loopholes and there's always going to be a way to get around it. Um, they're going to get, they're going to, PSG is going to shift a few people off the wage bill, you should suspect, in the next couple of weeks. Um, so, so they will be thinking, oh, we've got some money coming in, we'll be okay, and things like that. Um, and then in terms of return on investment, it's always interesting to see. I mean, you know, when is the bubble going to burst? I mean, how can fees get any more inflated than they are right now? I think it's just going to be a case of a lot of average players going for 60s and 70 millions, which is going to be really surreal. And, you know, like with all respect to somebody like, Gilfie Sigurdsson, you know, like you know, when you see the fee that's being mentioned for him, you know, and that that is more worrying for me than somebody a tough star like Neymar going for two hundred and twenty because you know what you're getting with Neymar and and what he is, he's one of the best players in the world. So th this bubble is going to have to burst at some level um, in a few years' time, and I'd be very surprised if they made um, money back on Neymar and sold him for maybe five hundred or six hundred in a few years. I think he might be a one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A life for a PSG now. As it stands now, yeah. Neymar is worth four Guilfi Sigurdsons, I think, as it stands. So, um, <laughs> make of that what you will. Uh, David, absolute pleasure to have you on the front free. Where can the listeners find more of you? Yeah, yeah, you can just get me on Twitter. That's where I'm mainly rambling on and complaining about things. And it's just David Jacker, J-A-C-A. So part two then, we're now joined by Professor Simon Chadwick, Professor of Sports Enterprise at the Salford Business School. Simon, absolute pleasure to have you back on the front three. Hi, good to be with you. So first off then, uh, what are your initial thoughts and opinions on this staggering deal has football gone mad, Simon? Uh, hey, the whole world is crazy. It's not just football that's crazy. The whole world is crazy. And I think the, the Neymar transfer arguably is, is, is symptomatic and symbolic of the age. Um, I really didn't expect such, uh, such a deal. Um, obviously, we had Pogba last summer. Um, it, it was inevitable at some stage that the world transfer record would be broken again, but I didn't think it would be just a, uh, just a year later. And I certainly didn't think it would be a double the Pogba deal. Um, but this is, this is a, a, a specific and unique uh, transfer. I think it's, it's an unprecedented alignment of uh, playing factors, commercial factors, but I think arguably more than anything, political factors too. Well, that's just it. There's clearly these off-the-pitch political motivations, not just the on-the-pitch reasons that Neymar and the club's president, Nasser Al-Khalifi, uh, and ultimately the owners, Qatar Sports Investment, uh, are giving for this move. There's clearly a lot more at play here, isn't there, Simon? For me, there are, there are essentially three levels to, 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 to the deal, um, or three principal motives, if you want to put it that way. The first one is, is around on-field success. Um, when Qatar Sport Investments bought Paris Saint-Germain in 2011, they, they wanted to make the club one of the biggest in the world. And, and domestically, in essence, they have done that. Uh, I think in all bar one of the seasons that PSG has owned, uh, that QSI has owned PSG, um, the club has won the French Championship apart from last season. And I think that that's really, really significant. Um, in many ways, PSG domestically has gone as far as it could possibly go and, and has plateaued and one might even argue gone backwards, uh, as we saw Monaco win the, uh, the, the championship last season. But more than that, PSG simply hasn't cut it in international competition in the same way, I think, as QSI anticipated back in 2011. Uh, obviously, the season before last, they made it to the semi-finals, but that aside, they've largely been underwhelming. 
and I think the Neymar um, transfer, therefore, is, is, is something that they're hoping will give added impetus to PSG becoming one of the, the most important and uh, most powerful, most successful on-field sides in, in Europe. The second level to the deal is commercial um, because, again, QSI specifically said that they targeted PHG when they purchased them because they, they were located in one of the, the, the major European capitals where there wasn't really uh, a successful football club. And so they saw this as a, as a branding opportunity. They saw, that, saw this as a business development opportunity and they saw it as a way of, of really utilizing the potential of, of Paris and of France, uh, the relationship obviously with being sport, which had won the, the TV, TV contract with uh, Ligue 1. And again, to a certain extent, this has worked, but, but by and large, it hasn't. Um, PSG doesn't appear in, 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 in the top 10 of, of the world's richest football club lists. And by Neymar going there, again, it will, it will provide added impetus uh, uh, to, to, to their performances. Um, you know, certainly, it will sell shirts, it will sell sponsorships, it will sell commercial deals. One would imagine that uh, ticket sales at uh, the Parc des Princes are, are suddenly going to uh, increase dramatically. And so there, there, there will be a commercial benefit here, too, that will, that will boost the performance of, of PSG in, in things like the Deloitte Annual Money Leagues. The third level to the deal is obviously the political dimension. Mm. And I think obviously you, you, you talked about this earlier. Well, I think you put it in a really interesting way in your article earlier this week, which we'll link to in the description of this podcast. So do go and check that out, guys, to read it in full. As you put it, Neymar could unwittingly be about to become a Qatari poster boy amid the country's conflicts with their neighbours. I think it's really interesting to, to, to look at what's happened with, with, with PSG over the last two or three years. Um, Many people will be aware of between 2011, 2014, maybe to early 2015, um, PSG became synonymous with spending huge amounts of money on on players. And, and we can think about of, of Cavani, Lavezzi, uh, obviously uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. But from 2015 onwards, mid to late 2015 onwards, um, uh, PSG has been very quiet in the transfer market and and, and really... Angel de Maria and, and uh, Julian Drexler aside, possibly Klehoviak too from Sevilla, they, they've not really been engaged in any big business. And even the signings that they have made haven't been the kind of marquee signings that are going to change, uh, change people's perceptions of, of who or what Paris Saint-Germain is. I think that one of the reasons for this is, is that Qatar has been going through really quite an intense period of fiscal stringency. So over the last two years, uh, Qatari budgets have, have really been dramatically cut, including even the World Cup budget. And this is a reflection of um, a country that has suffered as a consequence of very low global oil prices. Now, Qatar does have in, uh, huge gas reserves, but it's capacity to get those those gas reserves out of the ground at the moment is fairly limited so qatar is 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 significantly exposed to the vagaries of the of the oil market and therefore i think paris saint-germain's um uh, uh spending over the last two years has really been a reflection of of, of qatar's economic position and, and for that matter the economic position of all of the countries in the gulf who are exposed by the, the need to sell oil to to, to generate uh, to generate cash? So it's therefore a real surprise that dramatically 
um, QSI and PSG not only buy a player like Neymar, but they they smash the world transfer record. They double the world transfer record. And this leads you to suspect that there's something more at play here. And, and I think the crucial thing about all of this is, is over the last two months, uh, Qatar has been involved in a, in a, a really quite a vicious diplomatic row with um, some of its regional neighbours, particularly Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. And this has led to uh, the severing of diplomatic relations. Um, It has led to Qatar's only land border with Saudi Arabia being closed. This has been closed for two months now. And and the Qataris and the Saudi Arabians, Egyptians, uh, United Arab Emirates engaging in in not only a war of words, but, but taking economic actions against one another. So my view is, is is that the Qatari signing or the, the QSI signing for, P, for, for PSG of, of Neymar is, is a political statement. It's a political statement to its near neighbours, to Qatar's near neighbours, that it's not going to be pushed around, that it does have the financial resources to, um, to sustain itself. And I think the other thing, and really, really importantly, in, in soft power terms, Right now, the world, instead of talking about Saudi Arabia or instead of talking about Dubai or Egypt, what we're all doing is we're talking about Qatar, we're talking about QSI, we're talking about Paris Saint-Germain, we're talking about Neymar. And this is this is what soft power is all about. It's about getting people speak, speaking about you and speaking in positive terms, if possible. Um, and, and I think Qatar is very, very shrewd and has always been very shrewd at, at, at using soft power to build its profile, to establish its identity. Um, and really, is a, it, it's a way of, of Qatar competing with its rivals. It's certainly an expensive political statement. I think that's fair to say. But it's fascinating what you're speaking to there, the, the soft power approach and the influence that Qatar are trying to create with this move. Do you think, though, that potentially it's a, a risky strategy that rather than viewing this positively uh, football fans and the world in general are actually going to take a more negative view of this move and in that respect it could backfire for Qatar I think uh, soft power is always a it's a fine balancing act because the positives for Qatar is is that we're all now talking about Neymar we're talking about PSG we're talking about QSI hey you and I are talking about Qatar right now so in in some ways it's job done already Um, and, and, and we're just the tip of the iceberg. People all over the world right now are talking about Qatar and, and that's what soft power is all about. But country strategists, and, and, and this is the important thing for, for, for listeners who are not familiar with this, is, is con- governments do employ country strategists, people who know about soft power, people who know about nation branding. One of the one of the, the, the downsides of, of soft power execution is, is that um, – Sometimes it's difficult to control what happens. So one of the adverse reactions that may take place in in the light of Neymar's signing is is we all start to to, to ask the question, well, you know, what is it with Qatar and and how come they could possibly spend so much money and it's obscene and it's too much and it's destroying football and 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 so trying to trying to manage the message that comes out of uh, Neymar's signing. I think as a next step will be a very important and significant challenge for the for the, the Qatari government and its advisors to really to 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 address. And and what's very important now is is as I say for Neymar, for PSG, for for, for QSI, for Qatar, 
to to ensure that people continue to talk positively about what's happening and that they don't start to reflect excessively on what some of the downsides to the deal might actually be. Finally then, I mean, we've spoken about the on the pitch reasons there and the off the field political motives behind the move. But more broadly speaking, what do you think is going to be the impact of Neymar joining PSG in a summer where already transfer fees seem to have spiralled out of all control. This is another level. It more than doubles the previous transfer record set by Paul Pogba last summer. We're all still trying to wrap our head around it, essentially. But what do you think the impact is going to be of this transfer? There are a couple of things to think about. The first one is um, I tweeted this uh, just last night about the the people's game. People talk about football being the people's game. And and you've got to ask the question, which people? Because um, the the, the traditionalists who used to kick a ball around outside their houses in the streets, I think this, this version of football is very, very rapidly disappearing. In fact, it may well have disappeared already forever altogether. Um, and so the people's game, those people could actually be not just Qatari, they could be Chinese, they could be Russians, they, they, they could be uh, Indian investors, they could be investors from Thailand, obviously, you know, think about Leicester City in the Premier League. So if you like the old industrial heartland of Europe, um, is very rapidly having its power base eroded by um, people from Asia, from investors from Asia, and I think crucially by governments in Asia who are seeking to achieve goals that are not just about football. They're political, they're social, they're cultural, they're diplomatic, um, and 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 this 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 I think this is profoundly affecting the way. Uh, football exists, you know, it's a kind of an existential uh, issue, if you like. The second part of this is if we see the Neymar transfer and and transfers in general as an economic system, um, you've just had a massive injection of of money into that that economic system. And what now happens? Some some of that uh, money will, will trickle out and it will trickle to you know the, the the agents and representatives who are associated with this. It will trickle out in terms of you know, a certain amount of taxation, um, but there's a lot of money that will be left in the system, and that will trickle down from from PSG and Neymar downwards. And I think inevitably it's it's going to impact upon uh, other transfer fees. It's going to affect to obviously salary levels. So we know now that Barcelona has a, a, a you know a, a nice big fat wadge of cash. Uh, let's say, for example, it goes to Liverpool. Um, we want to buy Coutinho. Liverpool will sell Coutinho for 80 or 90 million. Uh, then uh, Liverpool has a nice big wadge of cash in its bank account. So it, it, it goes to Liver, it goes to Southampton and says, hey, we'll give you 50 or 60 million for Virgil van Dijk. Then, of course, Southampton need to replace Virgil van Dijk. And so it goes on. And I think whether we like it or not, um, Ultimately, what will happen is is somewhere down in in the first or the second division, maybe even in 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 uh, you know some of the other leagues in in Britain and elsewhere across Europe. What you're going to find is there will be this trickle down effect, that, and, and and it will have an impact upon transfer fees, wages, and salaries, and 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 as a consequence of that, the financial stability of of clubs in general. Professor Simon Chadwick, an absolute pleasure and honour to have you on the front three. Where can the listeners find more of you? Uh, on Twitter, at prof underscore Chadwick. Um, normally what I do, if I, if I write, if I publish other, other things, uh, I tweet about them anyway. So that's a good starting point. 
Massive thanks to Professor Simon Chadwick for coming on the podcast. A very busy man, um, but yet spared some time for us and for you guys as well. Never feel more out of my depth than when I'm talking to Simon, but that doesn't change the fact that everything he says is incredibly interesting. Gives a fantastic insight on some of the context and some of the deeper sort of issues uh, around the beautiful game. We actually did a podcast with him last year uh, on football in China and the growth of the game in Asia. So do go and check that out. I'll link to that in the description of this podcast. Uh, and let us know what you guys think on Twitter of the Neymar deal at the front free. I think it's going to be very interesting now to see what happens. What happens now for Neymar, for Barcelona, for football. It's going to be interesting to see if this domino effect that we talked about on Monday's podcast comes into play, who Barcelona replace Neymar with and who PSG are going to sell in order to fund this move, essentially. You know, while the club can account for the deal over a number of years to comply with FFP regulations, the size of the deal, the, the mind-boggling size, means they are going to have to sell some players in order to balance the books. And if they can't, it's going to be interesting to see if UEFA do uh, punish them, do bring them into line, uh, and what punishments they'll face, you know, punishments that may well impact their goal of ultimately winning the Champions League. Just a few years ago, we saw Manchester City's squad size reduced from 25 to 21 in the Champions League for failing to uh, to adhere to FFP regulations. So it remains to be seen if Paris, PSG, are going to face similar restrictions. Um, still hard to wrap my head around, guys. It's still hard to wrap my head around this transfer the figures themselves 195 million pounds for a single player almost 500 million pounds when you factor in the wages and other fees but at the end of the day is Neymar not worth four Kyle Walkers that's the world we live in uh four Kyle Walkers equals one Neymar four Gilfie Sigurdsons equals one Neymar um I think it's safe to say football has gone mad it does exist in his own bubble as David says it remains to be seen if the bottom falls out of the market. It remains to be seen if this football bubble is going to burst. There can be no question though that with this deal, with some of the other deals we've seen this summer, the fees are officially out of control and there's, there's no basis in reality for these fees anymore. Certainly not uh, the world we live in where the world economy is still undergoing a, a global recovery. But there are no signs of it slowing down right now. Not when the game is more popular than ever, with fans around the world fueling the huge sponsorship deals and television revenues that we're going to see continuing to grow. But guys, let me know what you think on Twitter at the Front Free. Do get in your thoughts. I'd be very interested to hear what you think of this historic transfer. And I hope you enjoyed this bonus podcast. Let me know what you think. Um, like I said at the start, we're hoping to bring you loads more bonus podcasts over the course of the season. If you did enjoy it. Why not rate and review The Front Free on iTunes? All you have to do is click the link in the description of this podcast. It helps other people find The Front Free, uh, which ultimately means we get more opportunities to make better podcasts and more podcasts for you lovely lot. Massive thanks again to David Cartledge and, of course, Professor Simon Chadwick. Do go and check them both out on Twitter. Uh, you can find all those links in the description of the podcast. And thank you for listening. We will see you on Monday for another Front 3 podcast. Until then, have a bloody great weekend.